DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Mark, or it's Mark. We are joined now by Mike Vorkanov from The Athletic. He covers the New York Knicks. And Mike, I was so focused on your last name, I screwed up your first name. How about that? Mike's a tough one. I get it. Uh, all right, so uh, it's kind of a unique situation with the Jazz playing back-to-back nights in the Big Apple. So you might be a little more up to speed on what happened with the Jazz and the Nets than the average beat writer. That was horrible. Uh, what should the Jazz expect from the Knicks tonight? Uh, well, I mean, they won't have the same firepower as the Nets, but uh, the Knicks have been playing pretty well this season. You know, they're they're uh, pretty well coached by Tom Thibodeau. It's really a much different team than the last time Jazz faced them last season. I think they went to MSG in March, uh, right before the world shut down. And just the Knicks, are uh, they've almost done a 180-degree change under Tom Thibodeau and just how, I don't know, how confident uh, they are. I guess that's what Jazz should expect. It's just kind of a well-coached team. Uh, that'll try to grind you out for the whole game. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. You know, they're 4-3, a couple wins in a row. You look at their leaders, a guy like Julius Randle who's actually leading them in rebounds, assists, and scoring, and you put him in there. Still somewhat of a young player, certainly. Then you throw in Peyton, Austin Rivers. Uh, Rivers has been in and out. But the, a couple of guys that have been around a little bit and changed teams are they why do they seem to be playing as well as they've ever played in this league under Thibodeau? You know, like I, I don't, I don't like to do the whole like praise the coach all the time type of thing, but it's hard to really point to anything that's been different this year as opposed to last year, other than Tom Thibodeau taking over, and everyone just seems to have bought in, and everything is just crisper and better. You know, you talk about Julius Randle, like he's on his uh, his third team, right? Last year in New York was up and down. And this year, he's, uh, he's really kind of embraced and become efficient in this point-forward role. The offense runs through him, um, and it's really working. He's averaging you know, 7.2 assists. He's a nightly triple-double threat now, which was a crazy thought, if you were going to say that, coming into the season. Um, and, and it's just, you know, everything seems to be working right now. Like They're not a good team, necessarily. Their offense is still ranked 24th in the league. But they're able to have these possessions and these quarters and halves now where they're competitive with teams like the Pacers and, uh, you know, and like 76ers and some of the other teams they play this year. So Alec Burks, former jazz man, is with the Knicks now. Uh, he's only played three games. He's been hurt 20 points a game. You know, they're, they're actually, this might surprise you, but there are a lot of people here who really, he just, he caught their imagination and they really like him. But it never seemed like it was going in this direction. Now, three games is a very small sample size. Very small. But what's clicking for him? Yeah, I've been, I didn't expect it from Alex Burks, I'll be honest. Um, he, they gave him kind of his uh, a six-man role where he came off the bench and they got to run the offense through him. And it, it's wor- it was working really well. You know, he's missed uh, the last four games with an injury. I think he's questionable to play tonight. But they kind of put the ball in his hands and let him create, and he was just shooting well from three. He was, you know, playing well off the pick and roll, and, you know, just kind of in the situation where he was allowed to score and, and go and create and play make, and he was efficient in it. And I don't think he's going to average 20 points for the season, but I, I have been surprised by kind of his offensive prowess and just how well he's been in that role. Do the Knicks have anybody who can really deter the Jazz from getting to the rim? Uh, yeah, Mitchell Robinson is, uh, I would say he's one of the league's best shot blockers, and he's, he's improved in kind of his uh, coverage and his anchoring 
uh, of a defense this year. He's, you know, kind of <laughs> maybe like a, a poor man's Rudy Gobert, uh, if you want to put a comparison to it. So when you watch the Knicks, how much is the ball in Randall's hand? I mean, I, I don't the if you if you followed him, the scoring, the rebounding, that maybe it's a little on the high side. It doesn't seem outrageous at twenty two and eleven, maybe on the high side. But the seven and a half assists a game, that number, that number got me. Yeah, I mean that's been wild. He's doubled his assist rate from last season, doubled his assists per game. Uh, the funny thing is, you know, the ball is probably in his hands just as much as it was last as it was last year, but it's kind of just getting in and out of there much quicker. He's you know last year it was very very frequent to see him dribble and dribble and dribble and just kind of get into triple teams and turnovers and bad situations. This year it's coming in, it's coming out. He's keeping the ball moving. Uh, his usage rate is actually lower than than it was last year too, uh, and yet all of his numbers are up. So the offense runs through him, but it doesn't die in his hands. R.J. Barrett, man, got a lot of athletic ability. Uh, he's able now, been in the league a little bit, be able to channel it in the positive direction. Statistically, it looks like he is. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, the jump shot is still a question for him. Uh, I think he's shooting 40% from the floor. His three-point numbers are uh, pretty ugly, I would say, but he's, he's really taken some strides this year in the second season, just kind of creating off the dribble and, He's coming closer to what people thought he might be coming out of Duke. He was the number three pick in the uh, the 2019 draft. And it's interesting to see what he might still become, but you see little signs of progress for him. You know, for Donovan Mitchell, this this is home. And he had not been shooting the ball well this year, not at all. The percentages have been very low, both from three and just in general from the floor. But it looked like he was heating up a little bit against the Nets. How are the Knicks going to defend him? Who are they going to put on him? What are they going to do? Because, you know, guys go back home. They want to have big games. Yeah, I think he's had a couple of big games in New York, too. I, probably Reggie Bullock will get the assignment to start out. He's, kinda, he's their wing defender in the starting lineup. Maybe R.J. Barrett gives him uh, a look early on, too, just kind of on the wing there. And I, I'd expect the Knicks to, to throw a bunch of, uh, of defenders at him. You know, it's. Donovan Mitchell's not really a player you're gonna you're gonna stop with one guy, so I, I assume they'll try to you know double team him off pick and roll and those types of things. But I, I would guess Reggie Bullock gets that chance uh, to start the game. We've seen so many teams and the Knicks fall into it. You can put it in the colleges too, where they've been down for a while and then they just change coaches every few years. Texas football is doing it right now. We know that. Uh, what makes someone think that? The Knicks have found something here with Thibodeau and are not two or three years later going to be introducing yet another coach. Well, I'd say there's no guarantee that that, that, that won't happen again if you look at the history of the Knicks. And you know, it have been just seven games with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, but I, I guess if you're looking for the optimistic side of it, it's, you know, this year they kind of play a little bit better. They're uh, not necessarily going to be a playoff team, but maybe they compete for that 10 spot that you get into that playing tournament they have this year. Um, and then basically they just have to load up the talent. You know, the coach can be good and all that, but the Knicks have had problems for the last two decades because they haven't had the talent to be a good team, and that's how the coach gets fired. So, you know, if they, they hit in the lottery, uh, whenever the, the lottery is this offseason, whenever this offseason is, um, and they keep accumulating talent, I, I think that's the path to Tom Thibodeau having the long stay in New York is just giving them good players to work with. 
You know, from a distance, he looks like a really intense guy, which can lead to some early success but burnout over the long run. Do you think he's going to carry himself any different in this job than he has in previous jobs? Or is uh, the guy we've seen the guy the Knicks are going to get? No, I I think Tibbs is Tibbs. Uh, (laughs) I think that's why he got hired. You know, the guy who hired him, Leon Rose, uh, was his agent for like 20 years, World Wide West, uh, and Tom Thibodeau have a long-standing relationship. The, the people who hired him know exactly who he is. And maybe, you know, he'll change on the edges, on the margins. But, you know, he's 62 years old. I think you're pretty much, uh, you know, well-developed by then. So I, he, he always adapts because he's a smart guy, but I don't think he's going to have any kind of wholesale changes. We know in the New York area, an area which I grew up in, the, the uh, Mets and uh, Yankees had a big rivalry. Now with the uh, Nets in town r- across the river and with the arena and with the big-name coach and a couple big-name players, how's the market handling the rivalry, if there's any, between the Nets and the Knicks? Uh, I, yeah, I struggle to say there's much of a rivalry. Uh, the Nets are, I think, still more of a national team, especially right now with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and they are, you know, a locally beloved one. They're still trying to, you know, build up their fan base, all the people who root for them. And New York City is a Knicks team, and I think that's clear in, like, all the metrics and the people who care about the two teams. So that's interesting when you put two teams in a market. And in multiple sports, I think we can see the team that got there first is the team, and the second team really isn't close. Maybe they have 20% of the market, maybe they have 30, but they don't get anywhere near a 50-50 split. Are there any teams in New York that are 50-50, or is it all kind of an 80-20-70-30 kind of thing, you know, the Jets and Giants' fan base or or the Mets and Yankees? I I think the the Mets and Yankees are pretty close. You know, the Yankees have had a lot more success than the Mets have, but the, the Mets have a rabid and large fan base. Uh, the Giants and Jets, you know, it's probably more Giants than Jets fans, but even that, even those teams, you know, it's a little bit more uh, provincial. The Jets were on, you know, it's in Long Island, a different part of New York City. Same thing with, uh, with say, like the Islanders and the Rangers. But, it's you know, I can see the Nets becoming more popular and getting, you know, the, a little bit closer in terms of the size of the fan base, but it'll take time. You know, they got to Brooklyn in, I think, 2012, and, and the Knicks have just ruled New York uh, – I don't know, for, for over 60 years now at this point. So, Mike, you list your uh, on your Twitter your location is Hoboken, New Jersey. Are you the second most famous guy to come out of Hoboken, with, of course, Frank being number one? <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. Uh, I, if somebody <laughs> wants to say that, I'll definitely take it. I don't know if they'll be hanging photos of me enshrines to me in Hoboken like they do with Frank Sinatra who's you know somehow still you know omnipresent despite being dead for 20 years uh but if someone wants to throw that out there I, I won't mind <laughs> just wear it why not <laughs> oh man so you're uh the Jazz are going to play a bunch of eastern teams here on this road trip and I'm curious how you see the best in the east stacking up you can make cases for at least three or four teams, and maybe you can make cases for five or six. Who do you make a case for? Uh, I, I tend to say the Nets, uh, just because I think their top end offensively, I think, is better than anyone else's with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, if those two guys have it working, I, I just don't know who can score with them. You saw that last night, too, and that was without Kevin Durant. Um, but I, the Sixers have been really good this year. I, I know the Bucks have had kind of like an up-and-down type of season to start, but 
I'd like to see how they click with Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton this year. But there's so many good teams. You know, the Pacers are pretty good, too. And uh, the Heat obviously went to the finals. But to me, it's, it's kind of the Nets and the favorites right now. Man, it's just stunning to hear Boston not even mentioned. And you're not the first oh, person. Oh, yeah, well, Boston, too, <laughs> but they have their own problems. Right. I think, you know, until Kemba comes back, like, I don't know what they are. Well, Mike, we appreciate it for a few minutes. Thanks for hopping on the air with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. He's a Knicks beat writer for The Athletic. Mike Vork- Vorkanov, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, there it is, PK, the Knicks a team that has got uh, not much in the way of expectations. They got a, a fresh voice in the locker room, giving guys roles, a little belief in themselves, maybe. And okay, they're not great, but they're decent. And in the NBA, when you got talent and you're decent on any given night, you're a problem. Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah, uh, the, decent is what they're striving for. You know, they're the original team of my youth, and and when he talks about the Knicks being the dominant team. Most definitely, man. Everything was about, when it came to basketball, everything was about the Knicks. And in that area, actually, college basketball had a little higher profile than college football did when I was back there. And uh, basketball was very, very big. And the Knicks were where it was at. But yet they've sucked for so long. My gosh. It's unbelievable how long they've been down. And so if you can find a level of decency, which, you know, is defined by like 500, I would think, that uh, you're going to get people excited. At least you got a starting point. And you look at Julius Randle now, only 26 years old, uh, but his third team, been bounced around, hasn't really found a home. Maybe Thibodeau has found something right now. You know, he's he's not very athletic. He's not going to be a high-flyer dunk kind of guy in your face block shots but he's playing well now and if i'm the knicks i'm thinking geez jazz i mean i just saw what they did uh last night and they just rolled over and played dead this is a chance to go to five and three uh if you're the knick perspective so you ought to be jacked about this this isn't the lakers here Uh, this is a team that we feel like we should beat and that's probably half the battle that's why I'm interested, you know, Jerry Sloan, see how you respond type of thing. There's legends in our community, and their messages ring in my ears and will mm-hmm. forever ring in my ears. Yeah. Majerus is one. Jerry Sloan is one. And we know them. They're out there. And certainly Jerry Sloan, the, the messages that he sent, you know exactly what he would have said in this situation here. And I want to see how these guys respond because Monday night in, Bar- uh, in Brooklyn was just awful. Just no, you can't argue that. I mean, we would be, we all want him to win. That's no question about that. But we've got to have some semblance of truth, and we can't spin it any other way. There's zero way to spin it that that you took anything positive out of that. And I'm excited for them to have a game so soon, because that was just brutal. And now you got this opportunity. But at the same time, the Knicks are thinking, "Hey, man, this team is imminently beatable." Five and three is pretty good. I think most Knicks fans, after eight games, you said he got shot to be five and three. You probably think, yeah, that's pretty good for us. Uh, see what we got here, and maybe we got something a little bit different. And maybe it is just Thibodeau coming in here and mattering. You know, coaches do matter. A talent, Kyle Whittingham, you know, it's all about recruiting. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. You got to have the talent. There's no question about that. And the Knicks don't have the talent to win it all, but we're looking, asking for Thibodeau to make the franchise respectable. And can coaching make a difference there? 
Well, so far it has. It's just a handful of games, basically. But so far, yes. And the belief in the Knicks as they take the floor tonight should be as high as any game that they've had as far as their ability to win. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, with Randall. You know, he always seemed like a guy who was uh, playing in the wrong generation. I was I always thought there were some Al Jefferson comparisons there. You know, he's really efficient inside, but it's like you say, he's not that athletic and he's not that big. So the Jazz ought to be able to handle him. But he looks like he's another another guy who's got some size. You don't think of as a three point shooter who's trying to add that shot, and he's shooting forty percent from three this year. And he has nights, it goes, and then he has 0 for 5s. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're going to see from him, but there's uh, a little bit, this is, he, he's a poor man's, and maybe a very poor man's, you know, but to what degree is he a very poor man's Nikola Jokic? Now, he's not going to be the 5, so it's not a perfect comparison, but man, 7 assists a game, they're running a lot of stuff through him. They're counting him a lot. 22 and 11, those are pretty good numbers. 22, 11, and 7? Well, the seven is the one that jumps out at you the most, Yeah, actually. Somebody has to score and somebody has to get rebounds on every team. That's just the way it is. You have to have that. But to have him have almost seven and a half assists, that's pretty impressive uh, as far as what he's doing with the basketball. So that's something that I'm interested to see. Now, the other guy has to make the shot. You can make the greatest pass in the world. The other guy's got to make the shot. Uh, But right now... Uh, Julius Randle, I would assume, I don't follow him day to day, but I'd have to think, I follow him enough to know he's playing the best that he's ever played professionally and probably in his life. Yeah. Well, the thing is uh, that they won't have to put Gobert on him, right? He's probably going to get matched no. up with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to have a shot blocker on the floor. If they if they try to force a lineup out there, then they don't have any rim protection and the Jazz ought to go nuts offensively. So it's not it's not a perfect comparison, but... He is a bigger guy, and those are uh, those are some eye popping numbers when you see him. And you know, we can talk about all of this, but if the Jazz come out the way they came out last night, it's not going to matter. Whoever's out there for the Knicks will beat them if they come out like they came out last night.